Good to see everyone this morning. Um, I always want to thank our worship leaders that help us prepare to open up God's word and God's truth, get us ready just to encounter him in unique ways. Not just the leaders that are here up on stage, um, the ones in the booth in the back, and the ones behind us doing the online work, uh, helping us as worship leaders today. I hope you've had a great week. And I hope you're ready to encounter today this question of why did you doubt? I know none of you doubt. I know none of you have that question in any part of your life. But I invite you today just to be ready to experience that. I also invite you today to pray for two things. Our children leave for camp right after this service. So pray for them and the week they will have. And our students leave for camp tomorrow. Uh, I've got my pink on for the great pink team that's going to uh, do great this week. So there we go. All right, that's good. Okay. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, I love the response. I love the opportunity for us as a church to pray that God will just uh, work in people's lives in miraculous ways as he has done through Vacation Bible School through many ways through Camp Unite, through different studies, through different things that happen throughout the summer, that we will be ready to encounter him in great and unique ways. As we think about questions today, I've got two just to kind of prime the pump and to get your mind ready. I'm not asking you to answer these out loud, but I want you to think of them. The first question I want you to think of is, what's the most daring thing you've ever done? What's the most daring thing you've ever done? For some of you, it was just rolling out of bed this morning, just trying to get up. Another question I want you to think of is, what concerns you most about the future? What's the most daring thing you've ever done? And what concerns you most about the future? And as we read through this passage of scripture, we're gonna be in the book of Matthew today in the 14th chapter of Matthew where we're gonna see a story of a man who did something pretty brave. But then even in our lives, as we look and apply the scripture to our lives, there might be some things about the future that we worry about or that concern us. And what are we gonna do about those things? So Matthew chapter 14 I'm gonna read starting in verse 22. On the screen in just a moment will be the last three verses of this passage, but here's what it says. Immediately he, which would be Jesus, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid 
and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. A familiar story to many of us, the story of Peter walking on the water. But let's take a look at where we are in this passage in Matthew. The beginning of this chapter talks about John the Baptist being beheaded. In the book of Luke, we read this, uh, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord asking, are you the one who is to come? And should we expect someone else? And when the men reached him, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? In this question of why we would doubt, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, the one who came to prepare the way, the one who very clearly, I believe, knew what his position was and knew what his calling was in his life to prepare the way of Jesus. Even John, in that moment, John doubted and said, hey, two of my disciples, I want you to go and ask Jesus, are you the one who asked, who we were preparing for? Are you the one? At this time, Jesus had healed many people of diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits. He granted sight to many blind people, and he replied to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor told good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. And then Jesus spoke to the people. One of the things he says is, this is the one about whom is written, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. I've wanted that to be my life verse. <laughs> no one is greater than me. <laughs> but I think they're talking about John the baptizer, John the Baptist here. John, in the middle of his doubts, Jesus spoke words of truth in his life, and I believe that impacted his life in a positive way. But then we get right to the feeding of the 5,000. Do you think there was any doubt at this point? I believe there was. Five loaves and two fish? Are you kidding me? How are we gonna feed these people? But then Jesus took care of it. And then we have this beautiful story of walking on water. Those of you who did experiencing God, we see some of the principles in experiencing God even in this story. The invitation that God made to, to Peter, come, and walk. The opportunity Peter had to obey and experience the great relationship with Jesus of walking on water. But then that crisis of belief that happened when he recognized the storm and he began to sink. But then he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. And they got in the boat and they were able to obey and experience again. An author I read this week said, the ultimate test of faith is to move on Jesus's words alone. Peter's in the boat, and more accurately, what he said in that statement is, Jesus, I know it's you, and because I know it's you, I, I want you to tell me to come and walk with you, and Jesus said, come. That Peter acted on the words of Jesus alone, and it makes me wonder in our lives, are you willing to act on Jesus' words alone? No matter what else we hear today, if God is calling you, if Jesus is calling you to do something, are you willing to act on those words alone? Are you willing to understand and have trust and faith in him that you're willing to walk on those words? 
The problem Peter faced was not the circumstances, but the inadequate trust in Jesus despite his circumstances. The problem Peter, Peter faced was not the, the, the idea that he was in a storm and he could feel the wind and the waves, but he had an inadequate trust in Jesus despite the circumstances that he was in. And when Jesus said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I, I wonder when Jesus said, come out of the boat, that he was talking to all the disciples, right? Peter's the one who asked the question, but they could have all got out and followed. And then at the end, you have little faith, why did you doubt? That word doubt, distasos, means to waver in opinion. And today, I wanna look at just this faith, word faith, and then the word waver. Preston was hoping this W stood for wham, but it stands for waver. In our life, we waver. Peter, when he was walking on the water, he began to waver. And to waver means trying to go in two different directions at once, serving two different masters simultaneously. The Christian experience is one mixed with fear and doubt. Matthew says, quotes Jesus and saying, you have little faith. And he used this phrase with respect to the disciples and the believers. The purpose was to rebuke those who failed to draw on their faith. Faith is an activity, a song that disappears when we stop singing. Faith and waver. In our lives, we have faith. We have confidence in who Jesus is. We have confidence in him. We have confidence in everything that he's doing but yet we waver. Oswald Chambers tells us that for a man to have doubts is not a sign that he's a bad man. Another author says that in the middle of the storm that the presence of Christ is more real. God's sovereignty ordains trials in our lives at various points in order to reveal his character and nature in using ways that we would never know apart from the storm. Peter fell and Peter began to sink because he's human. Why do we doubt? We doubt because we're human. We doubt because it's just natural at times just to waver. When Jesus said, Peter, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I can imagine Peter saying, why wouldn't I doubt? The waves were hitting me. I could feel the, the, the wind and the water just hit my face. All of a sudden I realized it was in a storm. Of course I'm gonna waver, of course I'm gonna doubt. Wavering flies in the face of faith. Jesus is with us. We have no reason to doubt. We have no reason to fear. So why do we? We have confidence to know that Jesus is in our life. We have confidence to know that he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. But yet we fear, yet we doubt, and yet we waver. 
So why do we waver? There was no doubt that it was Jesus who called Peter out of the boat. He had no doubt that it was Jesus who was commanding him and asking him to do something. And yet he still wavered. The communicator's commentary says this about walking on water. This is the ultimate test of faith, to move on Jesus' word alone. And Peter stepped over the side of the boat to go to Jesus. We might ask Peter, how'd you do it? Had you practiced and studied yoga? Had you studied surface tension? And Peter might have answered, it was when I thought of surface tension that I began to sink. Faith rivets its attention solely on the master who says, come. Faith rivets its attention solely on the master who says, come. See, my whole faith experience has been that I can't walk on water. How many of you have ever been at a pool, a lake, an ocean, where you've tried to walk on water? Those of you not raising your hand, you've never been to water or you're lying right now, okay? All of us have tried that. There's a reel that's really funny, right? Guys are around a pool and a guy's dressed up like Jesus and he runs and he jumps and he tries to do a cannonball and he just lands and it's like he just hit ice because he just won't go through the water. It's really funny. I watched a, uh, a video this week from The Chosen where they were showing all the work that they put, all the money they put in, all the effects that they put in of the walking on water scene. And as I watched that, thinking of this story, no effects, no money, the Lord of creation was just walking on the water, walking to the disciples in the boat and called Peter out. My whole experience has been that I can't walk on water. And I asked our discipleship team this week, if Jesus is with us and we have confidence that he's with us and we have confidence that he's everywhere, that we have faith, complete faith in everything that he is. Why do we waver? Some of their responses were this, that we worry about what others will think. I want to follow Christ in my life. I believe that he's called me to do something, but I'm going to doubt and waver because I'm just afraid of what other people might think of that. Sometimes God's plans are not what we think is best for us. <laughs> we think that we know what's best. We waver because if we really ask God what I should be doing, he might tell me something different than I think I need to be doing because I think I know the best way and I'm gonna waver because God might say something different. We fear that God won't agree with us, which is a bad place to be, let me just say. We lose focus. We fear that I might be understanding God wrong. That we want peace in our life, but we worry about what will happen in our life if we truly follow Jesus. A minute ago, we were singing that great song, Waymaker. 
And we could sing it, Waymaker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. But yet when things happen in our life so quickly, we forget the words of that song and we begin to waver and we begin to fear. We go from faith, Waymaker, I know everything you are, I'm following you. But man, when circumstances happen in our life, quickly we turn to waver. Uh, I'll give you an example for me. I am the staff liaison for the pastor search committee. It's like a fancy title that really means I just help them if they need help. But I like the title, it sounds great. I was asked to be a part of this. I was happy to be a part of it. I don't meet with them currently because they're, they're at a point where they're talking about people, they're, they're refining things. I don't need to be a part of those conversations. But at the beginning when this committee was formed, I watched how the committee was formed and I had faith in that process. I sat with them for several meetings and I would leave that meeting and I would get home and I would tell Paige, not what happened in the meeting, but I would tell her, well, what I can say is walking away from that table, I have complete confidence in that group to find the man to lead us in the future here at Dunwoody Baptist Church. I have complete faith and complete confidence in that team. Pastor Allen says often that um, we have a deep bench. We have a great staff. And I would echo that. I, I, I haven't had bad places where I've worked, but this is a unique staff. This is a unique group. And it's a wonderful group to work with. And I know that the culture of a staff, I know that the culture of any environment is determined by its leader. And we have a great leader, and that's why we have a great culture. And in saying that, I wonder, okay, what if they hire someone? What if they call someone who's gonna change the culture? And I begin to waver. And when I start to waver, I have a couple of choices. I can live in that time of waver. I can let Satan just do a lot of stuff with that wavering, or I can quickly recognize, no, no, no. I have faith and confidence that God did what he did, and so I quickly turn back to faith. Does that make sense? Okay, this is yes, this is no. I just wanna make sure you're paying attention. See, in our life, we might go to the doctor and we might get a bad report and we have complete trust and confidence in who God is, but then for a moment, we start to waver. But quickly, we need to turn back to faith. You with me? We might have something in our life and the circumstances happen in our life. Something might happen with our kids or something might happen with our parents. And for a moment in that time that we trust those circumstances, we believe in those more than we believe in Jesus and we start to waver. We start to try to serve two different things simultaneously. We try to go two different directions at once and we begin to waver. We lose peace when wavering starts. Once again, it's just, as Oswald Chambers said, it's, it's natural for us to doubt. Doubting doesn't mean we're bad. We're human. So we doubt and we waver. But in the midst of that, I wanna encourage you more and more today that when that wavering starts, quickly turn to faith. even if you're not facing difficult times right now. The truth, this truth that we discover, just quickly go to faith, is crucial to remember 
when circumstances in your life begin to toss you back and forth across the waves. In the Christ-centered exposition series, it gives us these words about this passage and reminds us who Jesus is. It says that Jesus is sovereign over you. Jesus is interceding for you. Jesus is present with you. Jesus is strength in you. Jesus is peace around you. When I think back to John the Baptist, when he doubted and he sent two of his disciples to Jesus, I believe that that response he got just gave him courage and let him know that he was doing the right thing. But still, John the Baptist, even though he had faith and he wasn't wavering in his life, he was beheaded. Following Christ in our life does not always mean that life is just gonna be easy. But in the midst of tough circumstances, in the midst of hard times, don't waver, but quickly go back to faith that we have in Jesus. Now, some of you, you live in this life of wavering because you have never come to a saving knowledge of who Christ is in your life. Some of you just live in this constant way of wavering because you don't understand who Christ is. You don't understand how somebody could not fear things. You can't understand how somebody could not just have doubts because you've never come to a point where you understand who Christ is. And like Peter in that story, today needs to be the day when you recognize that and you need to cry out, Lord, save me. Some of you live in this time of wavering because there was a time in your life when you followed Christ, but you haven't actively been following Christ for a long time. Your faith has been placed in so many other things that you're wavering. And you recognize that your life is just this constant way of wavering, this constant point of just, you're just trying to serve two different things at one time and life is just hard and you're frustrated and you're tired and people around you recognize it and they're tired and you're wavering because you've come to a point where you've quit trusting and following Christ actively in your life and you're wavering. Today, today needs to be the day for you where you recognize that and you remember that, you know, Lord, rescue me, Lord, I need out of this. The Holman New Testament commentary says this, the Lord loves that kind of cry, Lord, save me. Because it is a sign that the person has come to the end of self-reliance and realizes there is nowhere else to turn but to the Lord. Whether from an unbeliever who knows he is helpless on his own or from the believer who has been self-striving for years and has only met with frustration and failure, the simple cry, Save me is music to a father's ears. The book of Psalm 18, 16 tells us, the depths of the sea became visible. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of the deep water and he rescued me.
We just sang those words. Who pulled me out of the pit? He did. He did. Peter was afraid, but in that fear still looked to Christ. When he recognized that he shouldn't be walking on water, when he recognized that Christ has called him to do something, and then those experiences, those circumstances just caused him just to waver. He recognized that and immediately cried out, Lord, save me. And then the Bible says that beautiful word. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and got him. Some of you need to turn from this wavering to faith in Christ. If you've never done that before, I hope you recognize that in Scripture, from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, that we recognize that God has created us to be with him. We see that, that that God created us just to be with him. Genesis 1 and 2 talks about that, that God created us to be with him, but we recognize that our sin separates us from God. Genesis 3, quickly as we read, God created us to be with him, but our sin separates us from God. And as we continue to read through the Old Testament, we recognize that sin cannot be removed by good deeds. That we on our own can't be good enough. Our boys were little. Did you clean your room? Yes. Did you do a good job? Yes. Did you do a good job where mom's gonna think it's a good job? No. Who is the author of good? God. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. We get to the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we recognize that paying the price for our sin, Jesus Christ died and rose again. And as we continue reading through the New Testament, that everyone who trusts in him alone will have eternal life. And the beauty of that is that life eternal starts now and lasts forever. If today you're living your life just wavering and you need for the first time to cry out, Lord, save me and turn to that saving faith that we know is in Jesus. I encourage you before you leave this room today to make that decision known to someone. As we sing a song in just a minute, that you will maybe during that time, go and talk to someone. Christ is our entire life, Oswald Chambers would say to us. When we once realize this, certain forms of doubt and perplexity vanish forever. If we set our affection on things above, those perplexities will never trouble us anymore because we know the Lord Jesus and he is not distracted by those present perplexities. The things that obscure to the natural man become clear to the penetration of the mind that sets itself on things above. I invite our worship leaders to come out. At the end of this story, in this time of wavering, the disciples began to recognize who Jesus is the Lord of all creation, 
They're understanding more and more of who is this God that we sing about. The song wasn't written then, but I, but I kind of wonder when the disciples were in the boat there at the end and the wind had stopped and, and they were worshiping Jesus, if they were singing, this is our God, it's King Jesus. Today, if it's a day of first time understanding that faith, of understanding for the first time that you need to turn from that life of just wavering to a life of faith, that today you do that. If today is a day where you recognize that in your life, you've been wavering because you have not been actively following Christ in your life. You've neglected him. You've allowed those circumstances of your life just to, just to be the thing that drives you instead of him. I pray that today will be that day that you turn from wavering to faith. And I want us to say a prayer today together. And I'm gonna invite you to stand and say this prayer with me. So would you stand? It's this prayer that's gonna be on the screen. And I want you to say this out loud. Would you say this with me? God, when I waver, quickly remind me to trust you despite. Now I'm gonna have you say it again, all right? Thank you, Tom. If you stood up there, we wouldn't be able to see the words. So thank you. If you stood up there, we wouldn't be able to see the words. So thank you for hanging out right there. And thank you for saying them with us. But I want you to say them as if you mean it today because we are gonna waver because we're human. So when we waver, cognitively, actively, quickly in your life, turn and trust Jesus despite the current circumstances that you're in. When we waver, turn to faith, put your trust in Jesus. Would you say this again with me this morning? God, when I waver, quickly trust you. Father, we love you. We thank you for so many things. We thank you that in the midst of the story about Peter, that the, that the highlight of the story doesn't seem to be walking on the water, but this time of doubt. But, but thank you that he was recognized that and clearly cried out, Lord, save me. And help that be the cry of our life, that we quickly turn to you despite our circumstances, that we quickly turn to you despite whatever is going on in your life, that we quickly turn to you in every single situation that we understand what it means to follow you, that we understand what it means just to take you at your word, that we understand what it means just to trust you with every aspect of our life. And that we live a life that we know that we're gonna doubt, but that when we do and when we waver, that we quickly turn to you. And we know that when we turn to you, you're immediately there with us, that you've always been there with us and that you're there ready to rescue us and save us. Then we praise you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. As we continue to worship, continue to speak to us, Jesus. It's in your great and mighty name that we ask everything. Amen.